Good afternoon. Can you hear me? Those of us who have been chanting that chant for many years uh, have a, I think, profound appreciation for those words, even though they sound rather archaic. And I think those of you who are not used to chanting that chant um, still might have some taste of the veracity of those words. The Buddha left us a clear, clean, heart-filled, effective, and profound path. for our own awakening and for the awakening of all beings. And to walk that path, uh, I think, is a gift to ourselves and to birds and butterflies and trees and <coughs> lakes and streams everywhere. And I think particularly in times that we are living in now, um, I think it's a critical time for us. Um, I think uh, if we pay close attention to our own mind and body, as well as to the news, to the world, lying at us over the internet and Facebook and so on, we can see pretty clearly that we have, perhaps individually, but certainly as a human community in the world, have just about lived out our delusion pretty much as far as we can. We're... Um, in a difficult situation for ourselves and for the earth. Not the earth, the earth will continue. I think we have in some cases people in places of power who don't necessarily have a sense of the connection we all share. And in that kind of situation, it's even more imperative to be very clear ourselves of our own uh, intention and values. I remember when I was in my early 20s, in the early 60s, I was very involved in various kinds of activities, wholesome and unwholesome. <laughs> and um, there were various consequences of both. But one of the things um, that happened was that I, I need to think, I needed to, I was asked the situation in my life, I was being asked to consider very clearly my behavior and what I stood for. And 
in being involved in various things, um, I watched carefully, not just my own behavior, but behavior of the people around me. And I came to three conclusions. Uh, these were not easy conclusions to come to. But I believed them then, and I believe them now. I believe in non-harming. I believe in non-violence. I would hope that I would have the courage to stand up for that. I believe, too, as a corollary, that the ends do not justify the means. People could disagree with me. That's okay. This was my conclusion. And the other thing that I concluded, which in fact pushed me into practicing Buddhism, was that I felt almost many, many people could, could do what I was doing then and were probably better at it than I was. But what most people were not paying attention to was that I felt in order for things to really be different, in order for things to, for those first two things to have any chance of happening, that human beings as a whole and myself personally had to profoundly at the deepest level change my consciousness. I had to, instead of living from a place of me, not that I don't take care of myself first, I do, but instead of living from a place of separation and inner struggle and inner turmoil and inner judgment and projecting that out onto society with its fighting and, and uh, behaving from a place of separation and division, that I needed to find a way back to wholeness, to non-separation, to the truth of our dependently co-arisen life, even beyond dependently co-arisen individual life. But a life being lived by life itself, which is the truth of our situation.
So without being panicked about it or feeling desperate, I do feel that we can walk on this path we call a bodhisattva path, a path with heart, a path with clear intention to live from a place of non-division. How that happens on each particular instant, I have no idea. But to have that as an intention for me is utmost importance. What is this path that we're talking about? The path really is, in a way, two parts. The first part of the path has to do with creating conditions for our own awakening, or rather, creating conditions so that our deepest truth awakens to itself in this particular location. This is something we can actually do. It's a kind of a doing. What we do is we sit, we meditate, we develop continuity of mindfulness, we have a commitment to the present moment, and we we have a sense of inquiry, a curiosity a sense of the wonder of everything. We do this because in order for life to wake up to itself, the individual contraction of our mind, the habitual contraction that the mind makes around objects, needs to be released. That's why Suzuki Roshi talked about beginner's mind. That's why we talk about not knowing That's why we say, uh, be curious. It's just to allow us to release the contraction that mind naturally makes around objects, particularly object of thought. So the first part of the path is all about looking toward, you can say, emptiness. It's a taking away path. You're not this. You're not that. You're not the body. You're not the mind. You're not your suffering. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not. And sometimes we have these little openings along the way. They're not so important in and of themselves. They're important because they allow us to let go. They help us not cling. And the path from beginning to however long has everything to do with letting go. Of everything. All your beliefs, all your identities, all your everything. For different people, it happens in different ways. This first part of the path is grace. We can't manufacture this. We can only create conditions 
for it. So some people, like myself, are seekers. And for those people, like myself, you have to try, 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 until you fail miserably. And then you're left with nothing. But your mind is open. And then there's a nut, when openings happen, oftentimes uh, there's a certain kind of honeymoon that happens. It's fine, it'll go away. <laughs> it goes away both because it becomes a memory, and it goes away also because it becomes embodied, and so it doesn't seem so special anymore. But this other movement of the path is, in some ways, more interesting. This is a movement of total surrender, complete and total surrender. It's about aligning your life with the truth of who we are. So what I'm saying is, when we understand that the truth of what we are is this wholeness, then every time you do something on each moment that is not aligned with that wholeness, you need to surrender that. Whether it's a clinging to a thought, whether it's resistance to something, whether it's an identity, and it will be an identity over and over and over, and deeper, and deeper, and deeper, and more and more subtle. You give up anything that does not align with wholeness. It can feel all kinds of different ways. It can feel searing. It can feel like a relief. But this is the movement. The first part of the movement is toward creating conditions in which grace can happen. And the second part is all about surrendering your own personal identity in any way and allowing life to live out this particularity in its own way. This takes a lot of courage. We don't want to let go of our suffering. We don't want to not be a person who's awake. That's an identity. We don't want to be, you know, if it, it's very familiar sometimes to be a failure or to be whatever the story is. This work of surrender can be done before or after, during, or anything around insight or awakening. 
this kind of surrender can happen all the time. So you have to be clear. We have to be clear. Each one of us has to be really clear. What actually is your intention? Really? You should reflect just for a minute. Now. Why are you here, really? Do you want to be free of your suffering? Do you want to know the truth of the way things are? Do you want to join a community? Do you want to eat nice lunches? Do you want to have some place to go on Saturday? What are you doing here? What is your intention? Really? because this is not an easy path. So be clear. Usually when we think of intention, we think of it in the future. In a minute, I'm going to be present. I'm going to work on being present. I'll get better at being present tomorrow. My intention is to wake up. I'm sure it will happen if I work hard enough next week. It will never happen that way. Never. Unless our intention is in this moment, are you willing to give up your grasping the, the energy of grasping, the movement of mind that is grasping. Are you willing to give that up now? Really? No, I like my story. I have, I've been invested in this story for years. I know it really well. I know who I am with this story. Even though I'm miserable with the story, I feel more comfortable with it than I would if I give it up. Are you willing in this moment with this particular thought to wake up? What about resistance? That's just the other movement. These two movements, grasping, resistance, grasping. Resistance. I don't like the way that person is bowing. I don't want to stand near that person. That person doesn't know anything about practice. I don't want this soup. I don't like beans. I wish those people would not build that ramp right across from us when we were... <laughs> Stop it. In that moment, are you willing to let that go? Is that your intention, really? 
So the egoic thing that we talk about, ego, is built on this belief in this most wispy, not even there, perfume of a sense of I am that's very deep down. And on that, we build this push-pull, push-pull, push-pull. And on every moment, we can be free. So, you know, I was reading this thing at the Buddha the other day, and I found it was so interesting. He was talking about intention. This is the way he talks about it. And the reason I found it so really interesting is because the guy was just a brilliant teacher. You gotta say, <laughs> just incredible. Here, this is what he says in Majima Nikaya. He says this about uh, intention is the second of the Eightfold Path. So it's not nothing. You know, it's right in there with all of the wisdom, mindfulness, effort, and so on. Intention. So this is what he says about it. Therein bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, monks and nuns, one understands wrong intention as wrong intention and right intention as right intention. This is one's right view. And what bhikkhus is wrong intention? The intention of sensual desire the intention of ill will, and the intention of cruelty. This is wrong intention. And what, bhikkhunis, is right intention? The intention of renunciation, the intention of non-ill will, and the intention of non-cruelty. This is right intention. One makes an effort to abandon wrong intention and to enter upon right intention. This is one's right effort. Mindfully, one abandons wrong intention, and mindfully, one enters upon and abides in right intention. This is one's right mindfulness. Thus, these three states run and circle around right intention. That is, right view, right effort, and right mindfulness. And the thing that I thought was so neat about it, <laughs> I'm so slow in so many ways, it's so cute. Because listen to this, this is really neat. Because he says, look, the intention of renunciation, right, is addressing grasping. I mean, what the three poisons, right? Greed, hate, and delusion. So that's what he's talking about here. Renunciation is not grasping, so he's addressing greed. And then the next intention, non-aversion, right? Or loving kindness or goodwill counters hate, resistance. And the intention of non-injury or compassion or harmlessness counters separation or delusion. <laughs> Isn't that neat? These are the kind of insights I have, pathetic. <laughs> but I love it. I think it's so great. It's really good. 
So look, so here's the thing. Now, this is really interesting also to me. I don't know this is good news or bad news for you, but. So you can do this practice from now on, this practice of letting go of greed, letting go of hate or aversion, resistance, letting go of delusion, belief in an I thought. Okay, you can do that all the time, right? Forever. Right? So what are you left with? If you're, you're determined, you have your intention, you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life, and nothing happens. You're not expecting anything. You're not expecting anything because your, your commitment and your intention has only to do with this moment. I'm like, is this really bad news? He's <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? There's nothing out there. It's not going to get better. <laughs> you have to make a commitment to align yourself with the truth now, on this moment, forever. That's our practice. That's our path to come from the truth of non-separation. First you do that inside. So whenever you're at war with yourself, whenever you're struggling inside, I should do this, I shouldn't do that, I am this, I'm not this, I'm doing this right, I'm not doing this right, whatever it is inside, that needs to be, that mind needs to be dropped. I don't care about the content. That mind of grasping, that mind of resistance, that mind of believing some me-thought on each moment. So you're left with nothing. Faith that you are Buddha. Faith that the mind that is noticing what you're doing is the Buddha mind. The, faith, the, the mind that knows that you're divided inside is not divided. So everybody tells the story of Tozan when Tozan left his teacher, Yunyan. You know, and he walks over the bridge and he looks down and he sees himself and he has this you know, inside, and everything becomes himself, and it becomes, I am not it, it is me, or however it is, I've got. Everybody talks about that. But there's another dialogue that I like better that happens before he goes out on the bridge, before he walks over the stream, before he sees himself reflected in the water, reflected in everything. And it's this dialogue. I like it. So he tells Yunyan that he's leaving the temple. And Yunyan goes, oh, okay. He says, where are you going, Tozan? 
And Tozan says, well, I really don't know. I don't know where I'm going to end up. And Yan Yan says, well, if you leave, it will be difficult for us to meet again. You know, in the olden days, you have to walk everywhere. So his teacher says, no, so Tozan says, Tozan says, well, I feel it will be difficult for us not to meet. That's a very good response. And then, Yan Yan just waits, doesn't say anything. And then Tozan says, if in the future someone asks, what is your teaching? What is your truth? What is your reality? How should I respond? And Yun Yun pauses for a while, thinks about it. And then he says, just this is it. Just this is it. Nothing special. Just this is it. Of course, when the self is not projecting everything out on everything, just this is it is an unspeakable mystery. So it's also miraculous, but it's ordinary. It's just this. Not Buddhism, not emptiness, not duality, not nothing, and Buddhism, and duality, and separation. All of it. Just this is it. Like it says in that poem, looking for the jewels, you know, in this wave, in the next. And this is our life. This is going to be our death. If we can't make this life alive, where are we going to go? It's this life that we have to make alive. It's this life that we find love. It's in this life that we live a life of non-division. It's this life in which we, make, we wake up, not somewhere special, not somewhere else, here, now. So you, you, might, you, you might reflect a little bit on your intention. What actually is your intention for this, these five days? And if you find it, whatever it is, are you willing to commit to it 
on this moment. Because that's all we have. Just this is it. And it's good. You have, we have everything we need, everything we need right here. Each one of us lacks nothing. So please, uh, we have the rest of the day today. Please um, sit, continuity of presence during all the transitions. Bring yourself back to the present moment. Be curious, have an open mind. Be clear about what your intention is. Settle yourself on yourself. Settle, settle, stop, stop, stop. Okay. Okay. I think you guys are good. You're going to do good. This is good. Make good effort. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.